today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. I only accept goodness from God and not these troubles? When the family and friends, the acquaintances look at us, they want to see the reality of our faith. And they're, they're asking the question, so where's your God now? And it's really and truly, it's not in the good times that your testimony makes such a powerful impact. It's in the difficult times when your testimony makes the impact into family, friends, and acquaintances. When you're struggling in life, when you're doubting your future, when when everything around you looks like it's collapsing, and yet you can stand and say, yet my God reigns and rules. That's when our testimony becomes powerful. As a Christian, you have to realize that the world is always watching you and waiting to see how you behave when trials come your way. Today, Pastor David will be encouraging you to not only seek the Lord fervently during hardships, but also to seek Him just as fervently when everything seems calm. If you're abiding in the Lord when you're not going through trials, you'll be better prepared for when they do come. Your testimony is even more bright when you praise God during the storm. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Psalms chapter 22 as he begins his message, Psalms, an ancient hymn. things you're going to see is you're going to read words of sorrow and words of praise. You're going to read words of anger and and words of joy. You're going to read words of trust and and words of doubt. You're going to read words of anxiousness and, and words of great calmness. Because what we have in the Psalms are the words of men going through the reality of the struggles of life, and yet they have this deep faith in God. And so in their writings, they're honest before God, honest before man, and they're just writing out what's going on in their life. And even even the man with the deepest of faith is going to have times of overwhelming battles and attacks of the enemy. Look at Psalm 22. Probably many of you are familiar with this psalm. David writes here. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groanings? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. But you are holy. You're enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and then were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I, I'm a worm and no man a reproach of men and despised by the people. Of course, we recognize a portion of that as being the very words that Jesus declared on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think we wouldn't dare say that Jesus didn't have faith. We know he had faith. 
We know that he knew that the father was over all things. The father was completely in charge. And yet, was he just quoting a psalm to quote a psalm? I don't believe so. I believe the words of that psalm were a part of who he was, undoubtedly. I believe when David wrote this, David was going through some issues within his own life, no doubt about that, but at the same time, he was writing not only poetically, but he was writing prophetically at the same time without knowing it. He was writing what was going on in his life, but God was saying, no, I've got even a greater purpose in what you're writing. Honesty is what we find in the Psalms, honesty. The honesty of joy and praise as well as the honesty of fear and doubt. And if we learn anything from the Psalms, folks, it ought to be that our God is big enough. He's big enough. No matter what we're going through, he's big enough. Big enough to set all of creation into its place, the stars in their, and the planets in their courses, and yet still involved in every issue of our lives. Our God is big enough to be able to do that. And we see that in the writings of the Psalms. Psalm 22 continues on. Look at it in verse seven. All those who see me ridicule me. They, they shoot out their lip. They shake their head saying, oh, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. But guys, isn't that the struggle that really anybody who's living their lives for the Lord faces? We, we face that, that very thing. We proclaim to our family, to our friends, and to our acquaintances that, that we believe that our God is big enough to take care of every situation in our life, that our God is big enough to hear. Our God cares. Our God delivers. Our God heals. And then suddenly we are struck down with some kind of a calamity, some kind of a disease, some kind of an attack of the enemy. And then those same family and friends and acquaintances says, you trusted in God. Where's that God you spoke about? And they look at you and I, and they want to see how real that God is. How do we respond at that point in time? Is our God just good and just big when everything is fine in our lives? Why, Job could declare, do I only accept goodness from God and not these troubles? When the family and friends, the acquaintances look at us, they want to see the reality of our faith. And they're, they're asking the question, so where's your God now? And it's really and truly, it's not in the good times that your testimony makes such a powerful impact. It's in the difficult times when your testimony makes the impact into family, friends, and acquaintances. When you're struggling in life, when you're doubting your future, when, when everything around you looks like it's collapsing, and yet you can stand and say, yet my God reigns and rules. That's when our testimony becomes powerful. When in the midst of our life, we feel just like the psalmist as he declares, look at verse 14, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. My strength is dyed up like a pot shared and my tongue clings to my jaws. You've brought me to the dust of death, but you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, Hasten to help me. And I know that that's a great 
picture prophetically of Christ on the cross. I understand that. Man, all, all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like, like wax, literally melting and dividing out all of his strength. Gone. I understand that. But at the same time, I understand that David wrote these words during a time and during a period in his life. Are we still able to speak of the greatness and the goodness of God when our lives are going through this? I don't understand what's, you know, why right now in our fellowship, in our small congregation, we've got so many people that are going through so many major, major trials. Two brothers with cancer, three, three brothers with major cancer in their life. Stage, stage four and two of them, and one of them, we're not quite sure where it's at. Going through treatments, trying to figure out, okay, what do we do at this point in time? Yet I also know the testimony of those men as they're just trusting God in the midst of that. The testimony of their wives, trusting God in the midst of that. The testimony even of their families as they watch them and see them go through that. And they're encouraged, they're strengthened because they're standing faithful in the midst of these kinds of things. Are you able to speak of the greatness and the goodness of God when your life is in absolute turmoil? The psalmist here in verse 22 He says, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. When he cried to him, he heard my praise shall be of you in the great assembly. Down in verse 27, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nation shall worship before you for the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. Let me ask you, how many of you in here can keep yourself alive? Not a one of us. That's not within our power. When our days are done, our days are done. Oh, sure, we do what we can. We try to stay healthy, and if there's medical issues that we try to take care of, but when the time comes, the time comes. We can't keep ourselves alive. But in the midst of that, in the midst of what the psalmist is declaring here, Are we able to, again, say, you know what? But yet I know that my God reigns. I know that my Lord rules over all of his kingdom. We need to continue to worship him. We need to continue to praise him. Guys, these are honest declarations in the midst of some of the hardest trials and troubles that I believe an individual can go through. And yet at the same time, they're filled with faith declarations. Why? because they know the greatness and the goodness of God. And as you and I in our lives grow in that understanding, that grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we grow in relationship with him at this point in time in our life, as we're strengthened in him and strengthened in our faith, then when calamity comes upon us, then we've got something to stand on. But I guarantee you this, 
if you're not strong in the Lord right now, one of two things are gonna happen when calamity comes. One of two things. You're gonna shake your fist in anger of God or you're gonna raise your hands and crying out to him. One of the two, one of the two. But the greater choice for you and I, even at this point in time, is to grow in that relationship right now so that we can stand when the storms come. After Psalm 22, which like I said, it's a, it's a great picture of, of Christ and Christ's suffering on the cross. After Psalm 22, we have Psalm 23, the, the, the most well-known of, of all the Psalms, the most quoted of all of the Psalms that we have. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. All of these are pictures of that shepherd caring, guarding and watching over and providing for that sheep. He restores my soul. How many of us need our soul restored uh, every now and then or quite daily, moment by moment? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We We don't choose righteousness. He leads us into righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I, I fear no evil for you're with me. Your, your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. You even prepare a table for me right in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. He speaks of, again, God not only preserving, but God prospering in the midst of all of this conflict. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He speaks not only the, the, the reality of God's presence in this realm, but then he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He also speaks to the next realm. He has that assurance He has the assurance of the next realm because of his relationship in this realm. And if we don't have that relationship in this realm, beloved, you don't have any assurance of the next realm. And that's the reason why you can boldly say it. Psalm 23, the words of a man that's gone through issues in his life, but yet he knows that God is with him through every stage of his life and in every situation of his life, and he finds comfort even in the midst and even in the times of the troubles that come. Why? Because he recognizes, he knows, and he's experienced God's presence in his life even when he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Even in that, he has peace. Peace in the presence of his enemies. Contentment in the provision of the Lord. It's God that's going to provide for him. God that's going to care for him. And, And he says, my cup, runs over. And he has that confident assurance within his life that regardless of the struggles, regardless of the battles that come in this world, his eternity is set in place for him in the presence of God Almighty. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jump out of the Psalms with me for a moment. Go over to 1 Samuel. So go to your left, about halfway back or so. 1 Samuel. Keep your place in Psalm. We will be, we'll be right back. The book of 1 Samuel, turn to uh, chapter 21. Starting down in verse 10, we find that 
This is the time that David is running away from the threat of Saul. Saul is still king of Israel, although David has been actually anointed as the king. He is going to be the one uh, to take Saul's place. Well, he's still running from Saul, and there's a short period of time in David's life. With all of his wisdom, with all of his understanding, you wonder why in the world. But there's a short period in David's life where he felt that he could find refuge and, and safety in the camp of the enemy. And in one way, we look at it, it's kind of a humorous story. Look at it. First Samuel chapter 21, verse 10. It says, then David arose and he fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the, the king of Gath. The servants of Achish said to him, wow, is this not David, the, the king of the land? They already recognized that, that Samuel had anointed him. He's going to be the new king. Isn't this the guy that they sang the songs to again and and danced to, saying that Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands? So in essence, David, you're in the midst of the enemy's camp, and they recognize you. The gig is up. You've got problems now because you're right in the middle of the enemy's camp, and they recognize who you are. Verse 12, now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And here it comes, verse 13. I love this story. So he changed his behavior before them, and he feigned madness in their hands. He scratched on the doors of the gate and and let his saliva fall down on his beard. He just acted like he was a crazy man. I don't know why I'm here. Let me out of here. You know, you just, you just suddenly this whole different aura came about him. He just, he's, he's acting like he's totally insane. And then Achish saw him and he said to his servants, look, you see, the man is insane. Why, why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen? And actually a better translation of that would have been, have I need of more madmen? So, that you brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? And then there in chapter 21, or 22, verse 1, says that David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him, and everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everybody that was discontented, they all went to him there. So he became the captain over them, for there were about 400 men with him. So not only did he have to act like an absolute idiot there in the enemy's camp, but now he's got all these guys that are following him who are in distress, in debt, and discontented. And that's your army, David. Now go with me back to Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, for those of you that might have the little subtitles at the beginning of your chapter, you'll see that it gives us a little bit of a description there at the beginning. Mine says, a Psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech, a.k.a. also known as Achish, who drove him away and he departed. So now listen to what David writes. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. He looked to me, or uh, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. Oh, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all of his troubles. 
Oh, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blast is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And he goes on and on, just giving praise and thank you to the Lord. Lord, you got me out of that stupid mess that I put myself in. I wonder how many of us can connect with that psalm. We, we got ourselves into a mess, and it wasn't anything but the Lord that, that got us out of that. Our own stupidity, our own wrong actions, and yet God is the one that saved us from it. And I, and I read that psalm, and I, I can relate to that psalm. I can relate really well to that psalm. Lord, you got me out of something really foolish that I got myself in that could have caused great harm and great damage. As many of the psalms as there are, the variety of the the direction and the message of each of the psalms, praise and worship, fear, anger, doubt, where I mean, the whole gamut of it. I want to finish our time tonight actually looking at two particular psalms, two particular ones that, again, speak of God's hand of, of preservation and God's just wisdom in all things. Two, actually, two of my favorite psalms, Psalm 51 and Psalm 73. Now, Psalm 51 is David's response to the guilt of his sin with, with Bathsheba. Look there with me, if you would. Because, again, in the midst of this, I see the greatness of, of, of God's forgiveness, the greatness of God's mercy, his long-suffering, did David get himself in a bad situation? Absolutely. David sinned. There, there's just no way of getting out of it. As a matter of fact, David confessed that. His confession was, God, against you and you alone, I've sinned. He knows that. And now we have Psalm 51. David writes, have mercy on me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. David's not pulling any punches here at all. David's not going up and saying, hey, you know, I've been good for a long, long time. I have a lot of good points stored up. So can you kind of cover me on those good points to kind of balance out these bad choices? No. He says, no, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, you wash me thoroughly of my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. I've done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Some people look at that and say, well, what do you mean his sin was only against God? What about Bathsheba? What what about Uriah the Hittite that he had murdered? What about the child that died? David understood that, again, they unfortunately were the victims of his sin against God. Beloved, our sin against God is what causes us to sin against each other. Because you see, if I'm walking right before God, I'm going to walk right 
in this horizontal plane. As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too. And I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. And you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible right here on The Open Word. Make us more.